nothing says 1995 more than Mariah Carey's fantasy. What do you think, Squeezer? Uh, I I really I mean I'm always a Mariah Carey fan. My personal favorite is her uh, Christmas oh, appearances. Jesus, are by far don't my get favorite. me started. So, I I would have put music I liked on this Weezer. What, what are you talking about? Foo Fighters, but those music videos I enjoyed seeing every once in a while. Now at the age of thirteen, Mariah Carey's Fantasy oh, music you. video, I really enjoyed seeing. <laughs> It was uh, played a lot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I. What What was the video or? <laughs> oh, squeezer. Let's be gentlemen here. Let's be gentlemen. Why start now? Why start now? Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I, also, I originally on my list I had Madonna's "Take a Bow" because that was another video that made me feel weird. Uh-huh. Uh huh. As a young boy going through puberty, but that was actually big in '95, but it was released in '94, so I cut it off. Uh... Just, yeah, we got it. We gotta, we gotta play by the rules. Gotta I wanted play. to bend a few too, but I didn't. There's the '95 was a really big year, um, and I left a lot out, but I figured we'll revisit yeah. it. So, do you want to go through your list before we uh, get started? Yes, I, I will proceed with oh, wait, said list. On. Before we before we do that, I, I want to talk a little bit. We did something pretty. We, there's two huge pop culture events every year. One on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and we were on the East Coast one on Sunday. That's New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Us and, or as I like to call it, I can't move. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I don't think it's much news because half of the planet was there, apparently. Yeah, I honestly, I don't know what I can really talk about. Because we, it felt like we were just moving so quick, just glancing at stuff that I really didn't get to... Well, I was able to capture a few mental notes... In. And I have a full review that I recorded. It's recorded squeezer. I actually recorded a YouTube video. What? I'm posting it tonight after I post this podcast. Oh shit. So you won't be able to consume us. Well, me particularly. And Yo. there's a special appearance by Olive on the YouTube. And then of course you can listen. I to... met Olive with one eye today. Yeah. You, you got to meet her. You came by to pick up some equipment from my, uh, from the Enchantress Palace here, me and Enchantress, and um, we adopted the little cat, Olive with one eye, and you got to meet. Did she come right up to you? She's not bashful at all. Yeah, she came right up to me, and Shmuffin was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, right. It's so, like, why are you in my house, and yeah, why do I not, not have opposable thumbs to use the phone and call for help? And and why, if you're going to be in my house, give me some wet food, or get the fuck out. It's her house. We're just living in it. That's true. So, all right. So, if you want I will my, check it out. If you want my full I, review, I, I honestly don't remember much. There, I was so. I had to have I, you send I me a picture. I remember the double wide stroller blocking the aisle and me just being infuriated. Yeah, that's the big difference I think between a, going on Thursday during the day and Sunday. Thursday, Gotta go back to Thursdays. Yeah, Thursday you have a good portion of kids whose parents are bad enough to, but good to let them skip school and go to Comic Con. Sunday, ah, mm. oh, every kid is at Comic Con, but New York Comic Con, which is awesome. That's good. Yeah, I wish my parents would have taken me to Comic Con. They, yeah. you know, my dad would. have, oh, You could look at comics at the store by the movie theater. Um, uh, but but yeah, I, I feel like I missed a whole bunch. Like, I I didn't get to check out like all the all the uh, figurines, like some of the like 
big sculpts and stuff like that. That big Fallout one I got the picture with was pretty cool. But yeah, we you we, know me, I hunt that stuff out. So. Even like in our last forty minutes, we were only able to make one, basically one stop each because it was just so crowded. In the last hour, the place was open. Yeah, I wanted to go get my prints because I didn't want to buy them at any point other than when I was walking out the door because I couldn't imagine like the stress that I had walking from the back of it to the front just to get out with the the two prints that I bought. Yeah, I Squeezer was got a couple of. Uh, if you look at my um, uh, Instagram, Enchantress has got a couple of Tim Doyle prints for me from Nakatomi Plaza. He, it's an artist collective. Uh, it's the uh, Spider Gwen print and the um, uh, Jurassic Galaxy print. Uh, she also got me the. the uh, if you look back a year from July, the Ghostbusters go, uh, headquarters print that glows in the dark. Those are all from Tim Doyle. Squeezer picked up a couple of Tim Doyle, uh, what, Some Blade, Blade Runner, Runner uh, yeah. prints. Yeah, the Tears in the Rain one was awesome. And then they gave me a deal, so I got the Decker one too. So one day when I have like my awesome theater down in the basement, they'd look great on each side of the screen. <laughs> really one cool day. stuff. Until they'll, they'll still live in the drawer with the prints and some of the posters that I got last year that I don't have frames for yet. One day, one day. But if because I insist on building those frames, um, if you, that's why they don't exist. If you'd like to see a full rundown of what I thought was cool and what I picked up at uh, Comic-Con, it'll be on radiers.com. Oh, at, and I got an NES game. Oh, yeah. You picked up that, Silent Service. I got. I picked up Silent Service. Like you you told me, I was so excited. And I, got you I will all. be firing that up once I return from this weekend's adventures yeah i got you really excited for uh silent service when we did the crossover show with oh i had that mm-hmm. our friend John. you blew my mind that i was not i didn't you didn't even of hear that. of it like you didn't know it, it existed no yeah no it was i mean you could tell how popular it was for five dollars <laughs> <laughs> yeah mint in box yeah, in in, in, in a place but... where they could have charged 40 and people still would have bought it right yeah <laughs> So, yeah, if you want my full review of Comic-Con, check out RadYears.com because we need 100 subscribers to get our own YouTube URL. So fucking subscribe for the box. And, we, uh, well, we also need content, yeah, which we, you're we, doing. Yeah, well, we keep promising content, and uh, we're not. And the, the Ninja Turtles one is in is uh, ready to go into production next week. Uh, I have the script written. I'm ready to go. So I know um, I was called out on Instagram, and so I said, what do you want me to do with Joe on? Narrow it down. Be my producer. And he called Ninja Turtles. So, That's, I think, what we need, because we have, there's too much going on in these uh, bags of electrons in our heads. Yeah. Well, I, I've got my to lock next it down. five shows planned out, and I am going to start the cooking show. I just have to have time to mm-hmm. pre-make it so I know I don't fuck up, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is... No, them. do it anyway. That's even better. Well, I'm going to record the, the, I'm going to record the pre-make, and if I make it perfectly, that's the show. I'm just going to voice it over. Oh, but okay. if I fuck it up, that'll be the outtakes, and then I'll redo one. You know, Perfect. I'm not going to make Enchantress try something that potentially could harm her. Uh, the first one I'm going to do, though, will coincide with the Ninja Turtles. And um, you could probably, I'm not going to say what it is, but you could probably run through your minds and figure out what cooking, the first episode of Cooking the Rad Years will be on. Anyway, let's stop uh, promoting what doesn't exist yet and get on to our <laughs> list of 1995 squeeze. All right, let's proceed with the list. In 1995, you know, it was the 6,000th, 6,000th, wow, it's 6,745 in the Assyrian calendar. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get all lispy on you. 
Uh, New okay. Year's Day was a Sunday. All right. Uh, there were 5.6 billion people on this uh, big blue marble. Yeah, and they all went to New York Comic Con this year on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> uh, well, 5.5. 5. There, there were some people outside. Uh, let's see. A lot of movies in uh, 1995. And all movies that you still, like, will watch. Like, all these were powerhouses. Like, you know, sometimes you run through a top five, a top ten, and you're like, oh, I never heard of that movie before. Let me just go. Toy Story, Die Boom. Hard with a Vengeance, Boom. Apollo 13, Boom. GoldenEye, Boom. Pocahontas, Boom. Seven, Casper, Boom. Jumanji, Waterworld. And I had to leave a few out. Don't forget oh. Casino. Oh, and Casino. And don't forget Mallrats. And Mall. I said I had to leave a few out. It's a long list. Well, I couldn't. I'm let trying you... to narrow it down. This and time. and Braveheart, and that's the last one I'm gonna make. Oh well, say. now you burn my list down the road because that one Best Picture. Ah. I had to jump to the other side of the page. <laughs> since since we're already talking about bad news and and the dark part of the world. Um, two things. One, we got the WTO, and it all depends on your point of view, but right. I saw people throwing shit, so I assume it's bad. And uh, two, um, Nicolas Cage won a Best Actor Award uh, for Leaving Las Vegas. Nicolas Cage. That could have set um, a ripple in the universe that created multiple bad timelines. He might have got the, the Best Actor. Nick Cage might have got sucked into... Uh, a better timeline and we might be in the worst timeline. That's what really? might be happening right so, now. So like in, in the real timeline, he won a Razzie. Right. And that's that's the timeline. The bad timeline. Well, that's the timeline we're stuck in now. He won the Razzie, but you know, it's split and the one he won the Razzie in best got best picture Nick Cage. We got Razzie Nick Cage and we're in the worst timeline. That's what happened. Uh, fucking science. <laughs> Uh, Steve Fawcett uh, crossed the Pacific in a balloon. Um, Jacques Chirac became the president of France. I would normally wouldn't report that, but I like to say Jacques Chirac. Okay. Uh, we got Windows 95. And we got uh, that great instructional video with the two guys from the oh, guy yeah. and the girl from Friends in it. You can find that. On, man, is that thing stupid? Uh, there's still some bad shit going on in the Balkans, but they're trying to wrap it up. Uh, OJ, not guilty, believe it or not. Um, well, I was found in six, not guilty. I remember watching Squeezer. that and uh, found, found not, guilty. not guilty. Found not guilty. Found not guilty. And by a uh, uh, jury of his peers. Um, I remember I was in my sixth grade class. My teacher wheeled the TV and she's like, you're going to have to watch this because this is important. Right. I don't uh, know why. And it it made, well, I think she just made sure that we knew what we were watching when we saw SNL like the next night. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got the Million Man March. Right. Uh, we had a total solar eclipse, Ooh. but it was like throughout India and the South Pacific, so that doesn't count because you're not America, and that's when science matters, <laughs> right. I guess. If it didn't happen in America, did it really happen at all? And no. Like, same thing here. Quebec almost became their own country. Almost. Even if you did, you're not America, so sorry, Quebec, you're still not a country. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We're oh, kidding, people, uh, by the way. We don't mean any of this. Oh, fuck Quebec. I've been there. <laughs> I like Quebec. I like Montreal. No, I, I I love it. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I when I was there, that's the place where they made me buy the pancake breakfast at McDonald's, and I don't like McDonald's pancakes. Oh, so yeah, you told that story. I told that but story, But that, yes. that was your Cub Master or whatever, your 
Uh, he, he was no, he was just a guide. He was a hired guide. Oh. He was just lazy. He couldn't let me get a goddamn sausage biscuit. <laughs> I, ju- I just kayaked or canoed like fuck 175 miles. Let me have my sausage biscuit, and I didn't get Giardia like the other guys. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I probably would have gotten it if I got the sausage biscuit. You would. Um, there were a bunch of birthdays in 1995. Um, most of them I don't know who they are because they're like young now, so I don't care. I know Gabby Douglas, but she was in the Olympics, and I'm old, oh, yeah. so I watched the Olympics, so I know who that is. Uh, but a bunch of people did die. Uh, it was a bad year for that. We lost, uh, well, we lost Donald Pleasance, uh, Easy E, Selena, Jerry Garcia, uh, Mickey Mantle, and Dean Martin. Yeah. Uh, like I said, oh, I skipped over here because someone said Braveheart early on. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of deaths, births and deaths. Uh, Marvel Edge made its debut in 1995. Yeah, that really lasted a year. Uh, the big hit, Coolio, Gangsta's Paradise. Ah, uh, yeah. Dangerous I still Minds. hear that, and I just... song was bigger than Minds. the movie. Uh, Niners won the Super Bowl. Braves beat the Indians. Elvis Stoiko was a world figure skating champion. And a young man named Tiger Woods was a U.S. amateur champion. You know, someone pointed out at work, Squeezer, mm-hmm. that the Indians and the Braves were both eliminated on the same day, which also happened to be Columbus Day. The Redskins Ooh, also zing. Redskins also lost that night. I, I think why it's a funny coincidence. I think the funnier thing is we still have teams named the Indians, the Braves, and the Redskins. You know what? Some of them probably think it's still badass. I don't know who, maybe. I'm not Native American or Indian or... You know what? You weren't even Native. You weren't born here. You came over the the straight. All right? Sure, I don't care if it was, you know, 10,000 years ago. You're still not Native. You came here just like everyone else. It's... Unless you're listening, then uh, thanks for your land. Yeah. Um, We got the History Channel. Okay. Uh, speaking of history, we got Hercules with the great Kevin Sorbo and Xena Warrior Princess yeah, with the, the fine summer, Lucy yeah. Lawless. Right. Uh, Drew Barrymore flashed David Letterman. Will mm-hmm. Ferrell joined SNL. We also got Ned and Stacy. I don't know what that is. Ned and Stacy? Eh, it was on Fox. Oh. And then uh, also big year for fighting games. We got uh, Street Fighter Alpha, Tekken 2, and Mortal Kombat 3. Yeah, I remember getting Mortal Kombat 3. That was that was awesome. We got it at a KB Toy Works. It was Ooh, a s- Toy Works. Yeah, it was in a strip mall off of uh, 191 in Bethlehem. I think that there's a Walmart there or something now. Ah, those were the good old days. My mom let me buy it because I was okay with my sister getting a cat. A video game is a much cheaper investment than a cat. Yeah, but she was. It was a very violent video game. She's like, yeah, you could go buy that stupid violent video game if you just if you're okay with your sister getting a cat. I didn't care about the cat one way or another, so I was like, yeah. The cat's more violent. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm hoping that cat uh, were any bigger, would want to eat her face. That's what they do. They're right, face eaters. Right. Yeah. So uh, continue. Oh no, that's it. That's it. Uh, you you, you missed. You didn't the... hear the tone in my voice drop off towards the end that I do my little paper flip. Which you can see. The uh you missed one that I would bring up. Oh, what's that? Eon Flux debuted on MTV. It did. It did. Uh also singled out. 
and just yes, well, you know what i was trying i get yelled at when it's too long all right guess what next week's list uh is gonna be long as shit this was only one page i'm doing two pages so and i'm bringing back the sad dark stuff that i cut out so uh, well squeeze i'm just saying uh, for 95 when i turned 13 it, I was a changing boy. Things were changing for me. Uh, you should have watched Ned and Stacy. That would have changed. <laughs> so things like, you know, Mariah Carey's Fantasy and Singled Out with Jenny McCartney, McCarthy and, uh, you know, uh, amongst other uh, things were important to me back then. And so we can't leave them out. I'm, I'm looking at my list and I was maybe I had those feelings, but I, I was suppressing them and I was <laughs> alone. <laughs> Well, we are all alone, Squeezer, I'm just saying. And I would be for quite some time. Yeah, well, same, all right? Let's not rehash the bad years, okay? This is the rad years. <laughs> all right, so um, I guess we should start the show. Uh, I, I had a comment tonight from a, a, a friend of Enchantresses who uh, watched, listens to the show. He said, uh, yeah, it was nice. My 40-minute car drive, I finally got home, and you guys start finally started talking about McDonald's. <laughs> that was a long intro. That was a long intro, but we're going to shorten it up now, and uh, I'm going to go first. So here is my first pick, well, my first topic. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Who's afraid of the big black bat? In a city where evil is everywhere. <laughs> Justice wears a mask. If a bat wants to play, he'll play. Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell. Batman Forever. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, June 16th at a theater near you. Ah, Batman Forever. Yeah. The Jim Carrey Show. So say what you want about Batman Forever. I'm not ever going to defend Batman and Robin. Let's get that out of the I, way. I was just going to say, it's not Batman and Robin. It has that going for it. Right. Like, it. Like Temple of Doom is not the Crystal Skull. Yes. Well, I, yeah. It's different comparison, but yeah. So I, we're ta- we, we love 89 Batman. I love Batman Returns 92. And three years later, we get Batman Forever. Discussed its soundtrack on the show already. Really good soundtrack. Oh, excellent. And uh, I thought pretty good performance by Val Kilner as Batman. It had Robin in it finally. As a kid who was a younger brother who always had to be Robin, I was very much into the idea of Robin being in a movie. Uh, The Nicole Kidman love interest was decent enough. And uh, I thought Val Kilner carried his own as Batman. Uh, I would have... Probably liked. I was confused as to why Billy D. Williams wasn't Two Face. Uh, but yeah, I know what I was always. I mean, weirded I, out by that. I, I, I asked my mom like, why is Alfred and Commissioner Gordon the same, but Batman and Harvey Dent are different actors? And she goes, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't realize that Two Face was Harvey Dent played by Billy D. Williams in the mm-hmm. 89 movie. Uh, it would have been cool if it was, but I did think Tommy Lee Jones gave a hell of a performance as Two-Face. Yeah, well, if you take this really movie as over something... The, really over d- the top, but... Very over the top. So, uh, was, very so was the Riddler, though, but the Riddler is kind of over the top character. Uh, Harvey Dent's more um, torn and tormented 
and yeah. not it's not a fucking clown in caricature. Uh, but uh, again, uh, things that made young Ryan feel funny inside. Uh, Drew Barrymore and I believe I can't, was it Debbie Mazar who played Spice Sugar and Spice. The two, uh, I, I believe. Hold on, now I gotta, now I gotta know. You know who I'm talking about, though. Yeah, more tingly feelings. Yeah, uh, and you're gonna get a lot of this in 1995. From, <laughs> so yeah, was it Debbie? Yeah, Debbie Mazar with Spice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that a generally good cast and um, a good storyline. The, the whole stealing of information. And, Riddler and Two Face kind of played a, you know, not necessarily ne- didn't necessarily have to be there, but the two villain factor worked in Batman Returns, so they went with it for the next two movies. <sighs> Batman and Robin. Um, there was tons of good. <laughs> hey, time. you got three villains in Batman and Robin. Well, I don't count it. I don't count Bane. Well, I refuse to count four. Bane. Uh, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> yeah, Joel Schumacher came off of. Uh, I think his biggest movie to this date was uh, uh, Lost Boys. And I love the Lost Boys. Yeah. Fucking, I love the Lost Boys. But he came into this with pressure from the studio and McDonald's, for that matter, for what Tim yeah. Burton did with, with Batman Returns. We talked about it. It was, they, they saw the goo coming out of Danny DeVito's mouth as Penguin. They said, what is this? We can't sell a Happy Meal with this. And, you know, that's all a fucking movie is for, selling a fucking Happy Meal. So mm-hmm. they did not put a Happy Meal out for Batman Forever. They sold those glass mugs, which were fucking awesome. Uh, there was four of them. There was a Batman, a Robin, a Two-Face, and a Riddler. I had the Two-Face one. The handle was the coin flipping. Uh, that was my favorite one. Um, and as a kid, I really, really loved the Two-Face character. Uh, as I, uh, I think the next year I read long Halloween and was no longer a fan of the Tommy Lee <laughs> Jones two face character. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's how the cookie crumbles there. Uh, the action figures, Kenner did a lot of cool stuff with it. They had, um, the typical many Batmans and Riddlers and Robins. Mighty Max, I think was big at the time. So they had the little like character, Heads that would open up in the play sets with the little yeah, tiny. Yeah, they were doing that with like Star Wars too, with yeah, uh, micro machines and even X Men with Toy Biz. They had the little com- yep. square comic books that would open. Everything was getting like a mini version. Uh, some cool video games. There was a you know there was there was some cool shit, but uh, yeah, Batman Forever. Uh, uh, definitely an important uh, for me as a kid uh, in 1995. Batman Forever was was a pretty big deal. So that's my first pick. Uh, squeeze you ready for yours? Uh yeah, let's proceed. Oh wait, wait. I got a little I got a little pre-ramble thing here. All right. I, for, I almost forgot. I got a question for you. Go ahead. Uh, take multiple best actor and actress nominations. All right. Uh take a uh best screenplay Academy Award winner. Okay. Two Academy Award winning directors. Okay. An LA power couple. All right. And Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> And do you think this movie will make eight million dollars in the theater? Just eight million, you're saying? Eight million. I don't even know what you're talking about. The 
the century is ending. The world is waiting. Strange days are coming. October 13th. Strange days. Rated R. Friday, October 13th at theaters everywhere. Ooh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, Ray Fiennes? Ray, uh, oh, Ray James Fiennes. Cameron directed I don't even know this movie. No, James Cameron. Have you never seen this movie? Oh, his wife directed it, yeah, Catherine Ke- Bigelow. Well, they were divorced by now, but um, I think they were married at the time he came up with the idea, maybe. But yeah, this was uh, a Catherine Bigelow film. Uh, James Cameron actually wrote the script. Well, n- he didn't write the script. Um... Uh, Jay Cox, or I'm sorry, Jay Cox, uh, yeah, Jay Cox, uh, wrote it. Um, Cameron actually got so in depth into writing this story, like this idea, he had like a 90 page treatment. Like basically, he wrote a little mini Bible. Uh, I mean, like just breaking this down. Been there, so I can't judge. Um, and then it was, and, uh, Remember that Jay short Cox film idea I had, and I went down to Dominican Republic to flush it out, and I sent you a 16-page treatment? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah one day. <laughs> Just, I'm, first I'm going to watch you tell us all about Comic-Con. Okay. But I'm just saying, I can't judge. No, no. Um, and, uh, yeah, it got a $42 million budget. Now, what happened was, this was tied in uh, with the production company and Lightstorm Entertainment to do True Lies. They made a deal for like these two films for True Lies and Strange Days. And it was, I think, uh, it was a million, hundred million dollar deal. True Lie or uh, Strange Days got 42 million. Uh, True Lies got whatever the math is. Oh man, this is a futuristic movie set in 1999. Uh, Yeah, but you know, made in 1995. So the tech is really weird. Um, and I just watched this. It says it's a, cyberpunk. It, yeah, it's got some cyberpunk elements to it, a lot of film noir elements to it. Even like as like, the cool, uh, whereas like, uh, um, but there's also a lot of like metal and industrial going on, a lot of different kind of music. Um, but like how, you know, your classic film noir, you kind of had that, that, that saxophone mm-hmm. like kind of riff going on. And then like Blade Runner, it was all synths. This is like guitar licks, like real, like just fuzzy guitar licks. And it really worked. It was awesome. Um, This movie is very dark, very, some very dark subject matter. Um, Just uh, so you're uh, it's basically they predicted VR way back, like the way it would be handled. Uh, Actually, I believe. uh, Well, no, uh, do the evolution came out after this, but. Uh, and it's in a world where uh, people b- get these headsets and you can buy uh, these basically mini discs and put them in a modified Sony mini disc player um, and play back other people's memories. So they have this thing where it's not just the guy wearing a camera, but this little like mesh thing that you put on your head and it actually reads like your, your fucking brain and records it and then it plays it back. So you actually get not only do you see but you also get like the feeling and the sense of smell and everything that that's that person good. also experienced. Well, um, to be fair, and even... uh, 
Crichton published Disclosure in 94, and he kind of had VR all over that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this Cameron was writing this back in, like, 86, 87. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, the big thing is, it, this is this tech is illegal, so uh, Ray Fiennes, he's a uh, ex-cop who he's now, like, a hustler dealing this kind of stuff, but he's, like, legit. He doesn't deal in the snuff stuff. So, uh, like, but the big thing is, like, crimes. Like, people want that rush. So, like, people, like, make money robbing liquor stores with this gear on and then sell the guy, sell that to people so that people can get the experience of them robbing a liquor store. It's pretty messed up. Oh, okay. But then he comes across, like, some snuff videos where they actually make videos of people dying. Uh, and that's when things start getting ugly. And uh, Juliette Lewis gets involved in her boobies because they're hanging out the entire movie. Um, so 8-millimeter-esque? Uh, what's that? Did you ever see that movie 8-millimeter with Nicolas yeah. Cage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's – isn't that Joel Schumacher too? I think that was Joel Schumacher. Yeah, well, well. – uh, And then Angela Bassett, uh, she's in it as well. We also get uh, Tom Sizemore before he completely lost his goddamn mind. Uh, Michael Wincott. Joel uh, and like I said, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was in it. Uh, uh, Bill Fitchner before, like, he kind of blew up. That was one of his earlier gigs. Um, and I, I just absolutely, I, I, I really do love this movie. There's so much going on in it. Uh, it, it starts off really dark, almost like it's like an indie film. It's kind of just off the rails at certain, um, Parts and not in a bad way. It's just not that traditional sense. Um, towards the end, I'm not. I won't spoil everything, but towards the end, it really does kind of go full Hollywood. Uh, it does have it's a very Hollywood ending. Um, the cool part is the ending because it straight. It takes place on uh, the last couple of days of 1991, leading up or 1999, leading up to Millennium. Yeah. And um, they they needed a New Year's Eve. Uh, a party to like film the big scene at. So they actually set up uh, in downtown LA and spent uh, like $750,000 to throw a party down there and just invited all these DJs and, and uh, like there's just uh, thousands of people down there. And they actually had to even pay to get in because it was a party. I think like five people OD in an ecstasy. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they basically they 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 threw a rave down there. Uh, and also the big thing though is the, the POV stuff. They actually cut to the scenes that you see that you know the other person would be experiencing, like the VR stuff. Um, and and the rigs that they had to come up with. Remember, this is '95. You can't just throw a GoPro on someone's head. Right. So they rigged these like eight pound, thirty five millimeter airy cams to like these helmets. Hmm. And rake this stuff out to get these POV shots. There is a shot where the guy jumps across a building and then falls. And they said that it took two years to block this shot and to plan it properly. Uh, and then there's a lot – there are shots too where I still don't know how they even pulled some of these off where like the camera looks and you they look in the mirror and it reveals like the person in the mirror as they're looking at themselves. And – a not there was not a lot of uh, visual effects done. Maybe in that case, that's where they tweaked it in. But there was a lot of practical effects and cool rigging done. 
uh, and a lot of long takes, not necessarily long takes, but made to look like long takes, but with really good hidden edits. Right. Um, <laughs> and it was just awesome. Uh, visually, it, it's awesome. It's a dark, dark, but like for me, fun movie because it just deals with some cool, uh, some cool tech, and also some old tech. It's weird. Whereas, so it's 1995, and you forget that. You think, like, you watch it now, and you're watching a movie about the future that already happened, that was made before it happened. Right. So, like, they didn't have everything predicted. They're actually really close as far as, like, the VR stuff and, like, how it would look. Um, But as some, and, like, the idea of, like, escapism and stuff like that. Uh, One of of the funny things that immediately caught my attention, I just rewatched it the other day. Um, they're, uh, on the radio, they're like, gas is going up is over $3 a gallon. I'm like, okay. It was 309 at the gas, when I passed the gas station. Eh? <laughs> um, oh, cops being recorded doing shady shit. Yeah. Um, this is also, they were also tweaking this during the whole, uh, a lot of inspiration came from Rodney King and the L.A. riots. Oh, yeah. Um, this also was being filmed while the O.J. trial was going on. Yeah, okay. um, with all the tech going on, they still have old school answering machines. Like, he opens the door, and you hear her leaving the message on the tape. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, you see the TV in the background, and it's a 16 by 9 TV. Really? Which, yeah, it's not groundbreaking, but for 1995, you and I both know HD existed. It was a thing, HD but it was the 80s, nowhere near yeah. ready for mass consumption. And they knew that this is going to be something of the future. They were still ahead of their time in 1999. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't 16 by 9 mainstream until no. like 04, 03, 04. Um, and still, it took yeah. another four or five years until shows started catching up. Yeah. Also, um, you, you know, uh, uh, Fat Boy Slim song, uh, right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's funk actually those lines. What's that? The Funk Soul Brother. Yeah. What's uh, that those called? lines that right here, right now, that, that's pulled directly. It's Angela Bassett's lines in the movie. Oh, is that where he got it from? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, that's her voice on it. They he pulled that from the movie when she's yelling at, uh, at Lenny. Uh, and uh, before we move on, that w- it was actually the first ever. Whether or not it was a bomb, it only it made less than eight million dollars. It was poorly marketed. It was, I'll tell you what, this movie would be much different today. I think it would be much more accepted today for like its grittiness and, um, you know. Also, it came out in one hell of a year, like we mentioned. Yeah. Um, Wait, what was it, the line it, again? I feel like I just screwed that up. What was the line? From right here, right now. And what what movie what's what artist is that? Uh, Fat Boy Slim. Isn't it right about now? The Funk Soul Brother. Check it it's out. It's a different song. Okay, that's yeah. what I say. I thought I was like, wait a minute, that's not what he said. Yeah, different song, same artist, different song. Um, it this movie almost ended Kathleen Bigelow's career. Yeah, um, after Point Break, like another man. four or five years before she would make another film. She didn't really have recognition until she made uh. The Hurt Locker, like, again, like, she didn't really come back. Yeah, this hurt her, even though she was the first woman to ever win a Best Director uh, Saturn Award. (laughs) 
Which, hey, you might not think anything of it, but for us sci-fi nerds, that actually means something because the Academy's never going to give a shit. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they unless they add a sci-fi category next year since we're getting all the other bullshit ones. Yeah, well, that pop culture, sci-fi. Um, they should just make a Marvel, best Marvel movie. Give an Oscar to that. That's not a bad... It's a lot of competition each year. It is, yeah, yeah. Or just uh, Disney. Best, yeah, best Disney movie. Then you, you got Disney you got movie. Disney, you got Pixar, you got Star Wars. Well, the ABC ABC hosts it, right? Yeah. Doesn't ABC carry it? It's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Okay, uh, let's move on. And uh, my next pick. Here we go. It's very it's a very RK pick. Well, I was eating French toast one day when I started thinking, if I had my way, I'd make my French toast crunch. Yeah, that's it. A new cereal with the taste of French toast made bite-sized. Mmm. I'd eat it with milk. Boo. I'd eat them by the thousands. Mmm. Take it on the road. Woo! Sham, sweet crust with everyone. I call it new French toast crunch. For this complete breakfast, only a cake for three miles. No offense, Ma, but this is French toast my way with a crunch. Ah, French toast crunch. There was a trend squeezer in the 90s of shrinking like breakfast items into mm-hmm. a cereal. There was waffle crisp. There was uh cinema cine, cinnamon minis. Yep, I remember those. Uh but the, I think my favorite and a lot of I remember the commercials, I should say. Right. A lot of people's favorite, well yeah, you weren't a cereal guy, was French Toast Crunch. Ninth, released in 1995, uh it was made to taste like French toast. They made the cereal taste like cinnamon and maple syrup and then with the milk you get the whole French toast taste. Um, hmm. They looked, they looked like mini pieces of French toast. It was adorable. You, they still do. You could. It came back out. The box is different now to make to look more like the cinnamon toast crunch box of. You know, there's even more. They use that same like bread to make. Uh, they call them tiny toasts. There was a strawberry and a blueberry. But uh, they only lasted a year, and they rebranded them: Strawberry Toast Crunch, Blueberry Toast Crunch, and there's Apple Cinnamon Toast Crunch. But I remember that they're still out. I have a box in my office at work. Squeeze if you ever want to try it. No, I've seen it. I needed a card. <laughs> uh, in 2006, uh, General Mills decided to discontinue it, but because a, a lo- there was like so many of those like Buzzfeed listicles with food that we need to bring back from your childhood. Mm-hmm. And most of the foods that were on that came back, like uh, crispy M&M's, uh, Ecto Cooler, and, of course, French Toast Crunch. But, you know, we still haven't got Orbits, orbits back, so, you know, the ball's in your court, Orbits. Um, so French Toast Crunch and General Mills, that was the first kind of, like, that I remember, the big spinoff of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. They did like peanut butter toast crunch. They did um, like a chocolate toast crunch. They did uh, like a, during Christmas, they did like a sugar cookie toast crunch. Uh, but none were as popular as the the, the cinnamon toast crunch box. We, we still had Wendell the baker, the cartoon baker on, on the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, the, the taste you'll be flipping for, the taste I'll be flipping, I believe, was the... I, I honestly, you're going to, I, you all, you won't be surprised, but I'm sure you'd be disappointed. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had 
Fairly, I've never had it. I mean, I this can be sure a, of it. This is a cereal you could just pop the box open and chow down on. If you like that ah, cinnamon, that's so syrup, weird to me. Taste. You don't, I only do that with Captain Crunch. I could do it with like every cereal. I have so many cereals I have to try. You know, Halloween's coming close. We got to get some <laughs> Halloween content up on the website. I'm going to start reviewing cereals. I bought milk the other day. I got like five or six. <laughs> I'm glad you had to announce that on the podcast. Well, I'm just letting people know I'm going to start blogging. Halloween, I got milk squeeze. I can't eat fucking no. cereal without milk. What do you do? You think I'm some sort of monster? You just said you could eat it dry. Yeah, but I can't. Uh, it's not a true review unless I eat it with milk. Fair enough. What kind of milk? Whole. Very good. How I'm, do you not look like me? <laughs> because it's it's not a one to one equation. Like people often mistake. Like the, the the skimmer milks have often more sugar in them, so it's not yeah. the, the the fat content is just a flavor inducer. Oh, okay, okay. So it's the seven potatoes and pound of bacon that I eat on a regular basis. That's you're a sweet and handsome boy, Squeezer. You have nothing to worry about. I'm more starchy, which is a sugar as well. So yeah, I guess you're right. But it's 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 broken down differently in the body. It's not pure sugar like some people have told you, Squeezer. It's not true. I I checked the science on that. I, I'm, I've never said that, and what I don't know what people you're telling me, but it's still sugar. Yeah. Uh, all right. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on your next pick. You ready for it? There are no thoughts. There's no thoughts. <laughs> Ah, the Macarena. Uh, the bane of weddings everywhere. <laughs> Still. Um, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I don't. I didn't think I wanted to go this route. And then as I dug deeper, I definitely wanted to go this route. Okay. Um. So yeah, this. I mean, yeah, you you can you can definitely hear this song too much. Um. I don't want to say it was overplayed. This wasn't just a song in 95. So, like, it hit big in America in 95. And 96, 96. Like, it was everywhere. And right. they, you still hear it. Places. And when you see people doing that dance and they think they're having fun doing it, just stop. You're not having fun. It's not fun. Um, this actually was a big hit in uh, South America earlier, like in, like, 92. It came uh, from Mexico, correct? Uh, sure. Uh, and yeah, it, it it spread throughout there, and eventually, what happened was it made its way to Puerto Rico, got big in Puerto Rico, and then, uh, believe it or not, Puerto Rico is part of America, um, and that's how it made its way into like Florida, and then quick shot up uh, through every wedding DJ um, across the country. Uh, yeah, Los Del Rio. Now and there's like different versions of it and different remixes and when it hit uh hit Florida and hit like Miami, that's when a couple uh, DJs down there uh, added some English lyrics and made some tweaks that made it more uh, English friendly. The Bayside and, Boys remix. Yep, that's the one. Bayside Boys. Um. Yeah, it was also considered VH1's one-hit wonder of all time. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I believe it's I'm too sexy. 
Mm. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah, there's actually, yes, yeah, six versions of of this song dating back to 92 that it was tweaked uh, each time. Uh, this is where I wanted to get into um, why I wanted to pick this. Okay. Do you know Do you know what the song's about? Nope. Uh, no, I don't think many other people do either, because you wouldn't be playing it at your wedding. Um, it's basically a fun family dance song about a woman getting the old doomsday device from two of her boyfriend's two best friends. Uh, what's explain what the old doomsday device is, Grace? LOD, you know, tag oh. team. Yeah. Rush. Oh boy. You're so yeah. So, so clever. Hawk, you know, so animals down there and Hawk goes up top and boom. Give yeah. your body some joy, Magdalene, yeah. cause your body is forgiving joy and good things and good things to it. This is HuffPost? No, I'm just Wikipedia. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple different versions. Uh, HuffPost broke it down their own translation. I like this one the most. Um, Give your body joy, Macarena, because your body is meant to be given joy and good things. Give your body joy, Macarena. Hey, Macarena. Macarena has a boyfriend who is named, who is named with the last name Vitorino. Wow, you're really just really trying to shoehorn stuff in there. Yeah. And while he was being sworn in as a conscript, she's giving it to two friends. Who? Yeah, yeah. He's going into the service. And and she's getting um, double teamed by uh, his two best friends. Uh, some people have no shame. You know what? I'm sure there's some weddings out there that this is fitting. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm not. Had I, had I had known this, I would have loved to have this at my wedding. I would love to have my mom dance to this and have her sing along and just smile knowing the awful things that she's saying. Right, just creepy in the background, waiting for it to be done with, like, behind your back, a, a, a English lyric sheet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then show it to her with a little grin. Yeah. She's like, what is this? No. Yes. Do you still that's... think Pee Wee Herman's the worst thing I could be watching? <laughs> you let me watch three minutes too long of that dog-eating dog food, Mom. Right. You cut it off too late. Ah, look at you now, Ma. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I... I have no reason to disbelieve the Huffington Post. They've never posted anything that's, you know, not right. So I'm going to go and agree with this. Sure. And I not? think it's funny regardless. But I'm, I've am i seen this come across other places too since. I trust um, the news venue of Ariana Huffington. Didn't she date Trump? Yes. Who? Didn't she date Trump? Probably not. Ah, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? At this people. point, I think everyone has. Yeah, why not? I didn't. <sighs> Not yet, but there's, I still got a lot of life to live. So, uh, Macarena, what a good pick! It's very 1995. Uh, is it? Is it, it a good pick though? It's, I mean, it, it, it as far as it's very 1995. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yes. All right, my next pick is going to be me reading to you guys, but it's going to blow your mind. So, you ready for it? Ooh, I like being read to. So, Squeezer, 
Yes. On February 26, 1995, Clifford Stoll published the following article in the Tech and Science part of Newsweek magazine. It's still in their archives online. They have not deleted it, probably to prove that, yes, even they could publish stuff that's so ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. After two decades online, I'm perplexed. It's not that I haven't had a gas of a good time on the Internet. I've met great people and even caught a hacker or two. But today, I'm uneasy about this most trendy and oversold community. Visionaries see a future of telecommunicating workers, interactive libraries, and multimedia classrooms. They speak of electronic town meetings and virtual communities. Commerce and business will shift away from offices and malls to networks and modems, and the freedom of digital networks will make governments more democratic. Baloney. Do our computer pundits like all common sense? The, tr the truth is no online database will replace your daily newspaper. <laughs> no CD-ROM can take the place of a competent teacher. And no computer network will change the way your government works. <laughs> Considered today's online world, the Usenet, a worldwide bulletin board, allows anyone to post messages across the nation. Your word gets out, leapfrogging editors and publishers. Every voice, voice can be heard cheaply and instantly. The result? Every voice is heard. No shit. We call it Twitter. The cacophony <laughs> more closely resembles citizen band radio, complete with handles, harassment, and anonymous threats. That's exactly what Twitter is. But wow, this guy is a genius. Yeah. When most everyone kind of. shouts, few listen. Not true. They all listen. <laughs> How about electronic publishing? Try reading a book on disk. At best, it's, un it's an unpleasant chore. A myopic glow of clunky computer replaces the friendly pages of a book. And you can't tote a laptop to the beach. Well, I don't disagree with that. I like the paper. I like the smell. Yeah, but he says you can't tote that laptop to the beach. Yet Nicholas, well, no. <laughs> he didn't think we'd have the power of a thousand of his laptops in our pocket every day. Yet Nicholas Negroponte, director of MIT Media Lab, predicts that we'll soon buy books and newspapers straight over the internet. Uh... Sure, is what he writes. Well, you know what? If you weren't such a condescending asshole, I wouldn't be laughing at you so much. Right. What the internet hucksters won't tell you is that the internet is one big ocean of unedited data without any pretense of completeness. Lacking editors, reviewers, or critics, the internet has become a wasteland of unfiltered data. It still is, but those reviewers, critics, and editors have gone on to the internet, yeah. which why would you not think they would do that? You don't know what to ignore and what's worth reading. You still don't, but who cares? Yeah, that's a good point. Logged on to the World Wide Web, I hunt for the date of the Battle of Traf Trafalgar. T-R-A-F-A-L-G-A-R. Trafalgar? Trafalgar. Yes. Hundreds of files show up, and it takes 15 minutes to unravel them. One's a biography written by an 8th grader. The second is a computer game that doesn't work, and a third is an image of a London monument. None answer my question, and my search is periodically interrupted by messages like, too many connections, try again later. <laughs> won't, the internet, won't the internet be useful in governing? Internet addicts clamor for government reports. But when Andy Sp Spano ran for county executive in Westchester County, New York, he put every press release position paper on a bulletin board. In that affluent county, with plenty of computer companies, how many voters logged in? Fewer than 30. Not a good omen. We're almost done here. Then there's those pushing computers into schools. 
We're told that multimedia will make schoolwork easy and fun. Students will happily learn from animated characters while taught by expertly tailored software. Who needs that te- fucking paperclip? <laughs> Who needs teachers when you've got computer-aided education? Bah, he writes B-A-H. Bah, period. These expensive toys are difficult to use in classrooms and require extensive teacher training. Imagine him seeing... I, he's still, this guy's still got to be alive. Sure, kids love video games, but think of your own experience. Can you recall even one educational film strip of decades past? I can. I still remember watching um, that the movie Castle in school and just being enamored by it. Why did Jenny have to die? Why did Jenny have to die? What are we talking about? Uh, it was a, a film strip about suicide. I watched oh. it in high school. When I got home and I told my dad about it, he had seen it too. <laughs> I bet you remember... He graduated in 1969. There we go. I bet you remember the two or three great teachers who made a difference in your life. Then there's cyber business. We're promised instant catalog shopping. Just point and click for great deals. We'll order online air tickets over the network, make restaurant reservations, and negotiate sales contracts. Stores will become... I got to buy a new uh, mic stand real quick. (laughs) Okay, I'm good. Go ahead. Stores will become obsolete. So how come my local mall does more business in an afternoon the entire internet handles in a month? Oh, my God. I bet this guy's... (laughs) I I just wish this guy could eat his words. Even if there was a trustworthy way to send money over the internet, which there isn't, (laughs) the network is missing a most essential ingredient of capitalism. Salespeople. (laughs) What? Yeah. What's missing from this electronic wonderland? Human contact. Discount the fawning technical techno burble burble about virtual communities. Computers and internet and networks isolate us from one another. Mm, technically, they made us more into each other's fucking assholes than ever before. But okay, I'll continue. You know, someone at Circuit City read this article and agreed with him. I'm um, sure. A network chat line is a limp substitute for meeting friends over coffee. No interactive multimedia display comes close to the excitement of a live concert. Wow. And who prefers cyber sex to the real thing? So many people. (laughs) (laughs) While the internet beckons brightly, I mean, I'm not saying that's right, but I think there's Japan is pretty much 50% cyber sex. 50? I know, I'm being nice. I, I thought that's all that they, I thought that's like what they produced. They just stopped, yeah, they just stopped procreating. Yeah. Why the internet beckons brightly, seductive flashing, seductively flashing an icon of knowledge as power, this non-place lures us to surrender our time on Earth. A poor substitute it is. This virtual reality where frustration is legion and where, in the holy name of education and progress, important aspects of human interaction are relentlessly devalued. Well, yeah, he's right about that, but fuck, man, all his worst nightmares came true. <laughs> <laughs> This is by Clifford Stoll. I don't know. Let me see if he's still alive. Clifford Stoll. Uh, okay. He is alive. He's 68. He was born in 1950. Man. Here's his, here's his bio, just so you know that he kind of considers himself smart. He's an American astronomer, author, and teacher. He's best known for an investigation in 1986 while working as a systems administrator at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory that led to the capture of hacker Marcus Hess. Oh, that's why he said I even caught a few hackers or so. 
And for Stolson. So this this guy was on the inside and he didn't see where he this didn't. was going. Yep. And for Stoll's subsequent book, The Cuckoo's Egg, in which he details the investigation. Stoll has written three books, articles in the non-specialist press, and is a frequent contributor to Popular Mathematics, YouTube channel number file. Wow. Oh, look at you. Someone finding the YouTube. So it looks like uh, do, do you think do you think like this guy has like four different Tinder accounts? Oh, at least. At least four. And probably uh what is that? Ashley Madison too. Oh, I thought you were gonna say grinder. Oh well, yeah, well you know, I, I'm I'm not one teach to judge. Their own. Yeah, teach their own. Um so just curious if anyone would, you know, swipe right on me. I would swipe right on you, Squeezer. Thanks, buddy. So yeah, this that I just wanted to read. That was from 1995. This wow. guy basically predicted the future by saying it would never happen. Everything he said, he said one or two things that were right, like you know it's going to be full of dummies. Um, right, but, but it's the, the human race. Every no matter what you do, it's going to be full of dummies. Right. There's nothing you can do about that. Right. Um. Everything he predicted wouldn't happen. Like he was, he was a soothsayer, and and the fact that he predicted what the internet would become by saying this isn't what it would become. He was so specific too. Yeah. Like he had very key points. This will never happen, right. and it happened. Right. You won't order airline tickets. You won't just make rest restaurant reservations and negotiate sales contracts. Stores won't become obsolete. How will a mall... Oh, God, if you can only see the malls now. <laughs> uh, I just... I, I found this article in my research, and I was just dying. I'm like, wow, this guy was so out of it. And yeah. he was he was on... You're right. He was on the inside. And um, he just couldn't... He couldn't see that maybe... Maybe if you're that far I mean, inside, if he was finding hackers, he might have been that real, like, the, the tech guy. Yeah, he Strictly. Was, he was lead. The science and the numbers. He had no, no imagination as to what it could be used for. Right. He was no Steve Jobs. He couldn't beat his workers in the submission to make his dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, I thought that was a fun read. I didn't, really, I didn't really have any word else to go with it. I just wanted to kind of say that it's kind of like a... Like, so who knows what the future holds? And if you hear someone saying that this will never become true, you don't necessarily have to listen. And if you say someone I, that... I stopped. Yeah. Other than common sense. Yeah. So, you know, the future could hold anything. And it's not anyone's <laughs> position to say that it won't ever come true. But, uh, all right, here's uh, here's your next pick, sweet. The next generation will face dangers we've never dreamed of. I am here to turn you slimy civilian cesspool parasites into United States Marine Corps space aviators. And their legend will be written in the stars. Let's go. Space Above and Beyond from the producers of The X-Files next Sunday on Fox. Was that that, that guy from Full Metal Jacket? Arlie Ermey? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was. He had a cameo in the uh, uh, in the pilot. Talk about being uh, which was a, uh, It was a two-hour, uh, basically a two-hour movie that they they ran. Uh, I remember seeing this for the first time when this when that 
ran the first time. Like, I was waiting. I saw this commercial, like, the week before. I never even heard of this. This was... This is in my top five um, favorite shows of all time. Wow. I love this show. And it is the, the pinnacle. I mean, there's other... I came across lists, and this isn't on it, and those lists can go eat me. Um, of all the poor decisions Fox has made, canceling stuff too early, which they're known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this was one of them. It only got 23 episodes. Well, that's, uh, that's a lot, though. Well, that's, a season. Yeah, but that's... On Netflix, that's like two, maybe three. That's true. Yeah, but back then, you're kind of going for that, you know... You're going for that sweet, sweet syndication. Yeah. Trying to find it now it is tough. It used to be on Sci-Fi for a while or Sifi. Um, and uh, I, I found it on Amazon for like $160 for the DVD set. Well, that's pretty but good. yeah, this was created by Glenn Morgan and James Wong, who were executive producers on uh, X-Files. Right. Uh, they also did uh, Millennium with uh, Lance Henriksen. Remember that show? Mm-hmm. No, actually, uh, I don't. I'm thinking of something else. <clears throat> oh, remember Bishop from Aliens? Yes. Yeah, it was starring him. Okay. So this is a show. It takes place uh, in the year 2063. So hindsight's really not that far away. Uh, I don't think we're going to be here yet. But uh, we are colonizing other planets, and we come across um, – we get attacked by uh, an unknown alien race oh. and it leads to and it leads to war with said alien race um so it has a lot of uh a lot of world war ii elements to it it's almost like they took uh, a lot of world war ii and some vietnam elements and just put them in in, in space and the one thing you got to get around here is uh, originally your five main is it five Six, hang on. One, two, three, six. Uh, main stars of the show. They are, uh, they're pilots. Uh, but they go on a lot of ground missions. And it's because you can't really develop characters sitting in a cockpit the entire time. And also, in 1995, uh, CGI is really expensive yet. Mm-hmm. And also doesn't necessarily look great. There are scenes that look pretty damn good. That hold up. Eh, kind of hold up. There are some that are rough. Um, but as a kid in 1995 and seeing this on TV, mm-hmm. like a, a badass Top Gun meets Star Wars, right? Uh, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, and it dealt with some really adult topics, too. Like I was, And this is after I just read Jurassic Park. Um, so I got a sense for like the the science and like how it can be twisted and like the dark side of it. Like how they really deal with science, not how we think they deal with it. Yeah. The, um, yeah. The so the way they modernization it, of it. Yeah. And, but it dealt with a lot of stuff like a lot, a lot of like racism, slavery. So a lot of the um, they're uh, in vitros. So there was this war with there was AI. The AI. Uh, the creator of them programmed in a virus uh, to basically turn on the human race. They turned on the human race. So to substitute numbers so that normal people didn't have to die, they started just creating in vitros 
in tanks, they tanks is the slang, uh, the uh, uh, derogatory term for them. Uh, and that happens to be two of the stars of your show. And it's definitely like a race class thing that they have to deal with. And then same thing like the, with the AI. Like you question, yeah, are they the bad guys? Sure, they do awful stuff. What they do is, you know, they do acts of terrorism and guerrilla warfare. But you have look, do they have a choice if they want to just have their own world almost, you know? So it, it's, mm-hmm. it got pretty deep. Um, and as the series went on, and it, they did cram a lot in, uh, in 23 episodes, um, you realize... And I don't want to spoil things if perhaps someone is somehow, you know, someone has 160 bucks or just finds them on YouTube. But um, the the conspiracies and the military-industrial complex um, that really plays into it. Um, Aerotech and and the UN is very similar to like uh, um, Whale and Yutani, you know, from a- the Alien series. Like they are doing everything in their best interest, whether or not you know it helps the war cause or gets people killed. It, for them, it's the bottom line. Uh, and there's just some uh, some really great episodes and a lot of. So it, there's an overarching story throughout, but there a lot of there's standalone episodes where they have that X file almost. Um, uh, Twilight Zone feel, you know, where they each have that little science fiction piece built into each one, or you know, so maybe a little drama. Uh, one of my uh, uh, favorite episodes, Toy Soldiers, um, very much like Red Badge of Courage and uh, dealing with uh, casualties and family, and it's really sad episode, really dark, but awesome. Like it, that, it just wrenched my heart out. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular episode. Uh, and and some really cool ones. Great use of music. There's some Johnny Cash in there. Um, uh, uh, X under the Big Black Sun. Uh, they use that in it. Uh, some Ramones in there. And the pilot that is mistakenly. Uh, it's cool because they hear the song start playing. They're like, "What the hell is this?" And it's Blitzkrieg Bop. And the guy starts playing along. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is Pink Floyd. They're awesome." Oh, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, Pink Floyd. And, you know, it's at that point, it's 100 years. He's not expecting, though. It was kind of funny. I was confused as a kid. I'm like, that's not. Why would they put that in there? And it took me a while to realize, you know, the clever writing there. Clever um, gal. Yeah, I, I absolutely um, adore this show. And... I want to say it ended too soon, but for what I got, I'm very, I'm very happy with it. Like I, I, I take what I got, and and it's shows like this that gave us like a new Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. um, which this was very much, um, very similar. A lot of uh, similar themes and the action, um, sets and everything. Just the way they kind of told that story, um, and. and interacted with their environment it wasn't it wasn't a war show all about like rah rah it, it was the very gray area and by the end of the show you realize there were there's no good guys there's no bad guys it's just it, it's awful uh and the series ends um very down um because they had a feeling so it was like a 99 percent chance the show wasn't going to get renewed um Ratings were down. They had uh, moved it around 
um, and it was also expensive. And also, I don't think I don't think I don't know if people were ready for it yet, or if it's just marketed right. I don't know why the show wasn't bigger than it was, how it didn't find its audience. Um, but they they ended it really uh, on a down note. You could say a cliffhanger, um, but when you kill off or MIA a lot of your main cast. Um, you're pretty much sending a message like this is it, and, and and the way they ended it too, it's like it's almost like true to the series where it wasn't just uh, uh, your typical war show. It's like people die, you know, main characters died, and not in that lost sense, like oh they died, but you're over here now. It's like no, this character is dead now, and it meant nothing. Um, and just an awesome show, and I, I would kill, you know. I would kill to have, you know, it back. Well, not necessarily kill. That's a long way to go. Yeah, you have a daughter. Severely now. maim. I would severely maim. Who? Um, Kanye West? No, no. I don't want to. He might be know that I mentally know unstable. Is. Yeah. I, I don't have. I He just he means nothing to me. I don't care. I'm not. I, me nothing neither. in my I'm world. Just, I just picked someone that I don't think anyone would care if you maimed. Uh I'm That's sure one of the Kardashians. One, whoever he's married, married which to, yeah. one's he married to? Kardashian. Well, one of you sure. Um, it did get a couple Emmy noms. I'll give him that. Okay. Um, uh, Shirley uh, Walker uh, won for, uh, or she was nominated for best score, and she also did uh, uh, Batman the animated series. Right. Great job um, on that too. And uh, it was. Uh, Nominated for uh, best visual effects, um, and that lost to fucking Ted Danson, Gulliver's Travels. Wow, you made a big Ted Danson. They got twenty three episodes of aliens and space and shit. Where's that reward? It's all politics, Squeezer. All politics, and it you also it, it lost uh, a Saturn Award, but it lost to the Outer Limits. We have an Emmy, Squeezer. So, ah. Eh. That just Outer proves limits. that just proves that it's all politics. That's a good point. We worked hard for that. Emmy. <clears throat> Let's uh well, just twist it. Speaking about garbage, uh what do you hear about this one? This is gonna be fun. Are you ready to run Daytona? A virtual fighter. Dispense some justice in Virtua Cop? Then it's time for some fist in your face reality as all three rip into the R zone. Blast your way through Virtua Cop. Here come the bad guys! Care of the tar at Daytona. Checkpoint, checkpoint! And prepare to meet your virtual master. It's Giraffe! Ah! All R zone cartridges play on the R zone and the R zone super screen. Are you ready? So. In 1995, as much as uh, virtual reality, VR, has become kind of a real thing, and it hasn't been that hard. I mean, with these really small screens with super processors that we carry in our pockets, people figured out ways to just make goggles where you could put it on, and these screens we have in our pockets have tilt and um, uh, pan sensors in them. They have, they have basically little... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, level uh, bubbles. Gyroscope? Yeah, gyro they have all that in them. 
So it, it, it makes virtual reality pretty much. And it's, it's never been a big deal, Squeeze. VR is just a, an easy thing you can do with your phone. It's kind of a parlor trick, but it's really cool parlor trick. But it's still a parlor trick. No one's ever really going to go crazy for VR. Uh, that I, nah. In my opinion, it's just like 3D. It was like, I remember we, we work in the industry. ESPN put all that money building 3D trucks to do yeah. 3D games, and they just wound up losing a lot yeah. of money on nah, it. It's never, it's never going to happen. They're never going to, you know. Right, but, but in, you're never going to see VR used widely. You're never going to, you know, sell stuff online as easy as you could in the store. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean we might if if the oasis happens like in uh, Ready Player One, sure we might, it's, and it's yeah. Very... In 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 this form, it's not. Yeah, and the form yeah, it is no. now, it's not, and the form, especially it was in 1995, is like a red glow. So we had the Virtual Boy, which was probably the best iteration of this, and it was still garbage. But Tiger, oh, fucking Tiger, decided to cash in with the R Zone. And it basically took, it had a little cartridge that basically had one of those shitty LED games that you'd buy for like 20 bucks that would, that would play a horrible version of a real game or a, a license. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Those LED games. It projected in red light over your eye and you'd play it that way. And the, over the eyepiece, you wear the headset. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing this and thinking it was the coolest thing right, ever. I wanted it so bad, but it was hard to like test unless you bought it, put the thing on. There was no way to test it. Uh, they also saw the R Zone Super Screen, which was like like a, a base that would use rear projection to project it kind of like above the screen. It was still the same shitty LED game projected in red light. And they had like an extreme pocket game model, the R Zone XPG. None these all fucking sucked. Uh, Dave Jones of the Chicago Tribune called R Zone a waste of money and wrote that it's hard to see and the controls are very awkward. That's not all. If you keep the headband on for, say, five minutes, you have two deep lines in your forehead and a headache. <laughs> <laughs> Electronic Gaming Monthly remarked that while the display takes time to get used to and is not even in the same league as Virtual Boy's immersive experience, Arizona is very much less expensive, and unlike the Virtual Boy, is functionally portable. Uh, in 2008, Macau Repairs of Games Radar Plus include the Arizona in the list of 10 worst game consoles released up to that time. Ouch. Yeah. There were a lot. Yeah, they said it was just a gimmicky version of the same awful, clicky, beepy LCD games that Tiger has been dumping on the market since the 80s, which it was. In yeah. 2016, Motherboard called the Arzan perhaps the most infamous product ever associated with Tiger, stating that the console's games were glorified versions of the Tiger's LCD games. Motherboard stated that the Arzan was similar to the Virtual Boys in some ways, but considered the Arzan much, much worse, which is very true. Uh, we had one of these returned to us at KB, so we all played, tried it on and played with it. it was oh, you got to try it? Yeah, so it was discontinued in 97, so KB was known for a liquidator. Mm -hmm. uh, before this, the quiz whiz was the big thing Tiger was selling, and that was actually functionally cool and pretty big hit. Mm -hmm. uh, the quiz whiz was just basically you get the little cartridges with uh, uh, the, the questions, and you get the book, and you there was like an answer panel, the quiz whiz. Uh, it was succeeded by the game.com, which we already talked about from 1997, which was kind of a piece of shit, clunky piece of shit anyway. Tiger just really made money but had no luck with 
that people still bought the shit, but it was all garbage. Yeah, it was it was for like road trips. Yeah, and it was it was, it was fun, and you always, like people always bought them for people thinking they'd be good, but you get it as a kid, and you'd be like, this thing's a piece of shit. You play the game yeah. for like five minutes and realize there's no point in playing it because it's fucking pointless. And like, and, and tech aside, like, all right, so the image and the gameplay, you know, the, or the image itself and like the technology wasn't the greatest thing in the world. But by just still using Tiger games, like, and those games, it's the quality of the content that's the problem. Right. Like, like, that's look, why Game the, Boy, the game, like, exactly, the Game with Boy. With all due respect, Game Boy is not the greatest piece of hardware in existence. No, but it, 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 the batteries lasted but forever and it had great games. And that's the all quality you... of the gameplay is what content Link's is king. What fucking awakening? Why do you think Sony constantly tried to get in the software business to sell hardware? Why do you think they let get out your bingo bingo cards, Peter Gruber and John Peters run their tele, their movie studio that they bought because they wanted to make movies to sell fucking beta players and 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 sell like they they just like they did when they bought a music company to sell Walkmans, they thought the key to selling hardware was having good software, which is true. And Tiger never had that. They had this really cool hardware and, and idea, but the software was fucking shit and the implementation. Implant. Okay, get out your punch card and, or your bingo. So Enchantress <laughs> made, I got to backtrack, Enchantress made uh, RK, basically Radier's bingo cards. We still got to add a few to it, but uh, I think I'm going to upload it and then I'm going to print out like a couple limited edition, like a couple hundred, <laughs> uh, like postcards. And just mail like a couple hundred out to all, everybody who requests one. Uh, and um, me mentioning hit and run is going to be on there. Uh, so that might be a thing we do to celebrate 10,000 uh, Instagram followers, which we're about 500 away from, Squeeze. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember I screen capped when we could hit 1,000. I know. We were so happy with ourselves. So happy. Uh, but yeah, the, the Tiger stuff's fucking garbage and shit but it's i i'm so full of shit i love attention yeah well everyone does it's to be human all right speaking of loving attention squeezer here's your next pick the star wars power of the force collection darth vader leads an evil empire towards universal domination join a brave rebellion with luke skywalker han solo and chewbacca and jedi obi-wan kenobi can you stop the empire star wars power of the force collection from kenner <laughs> oh yeah i remember this one this is 95. 95. This doesn't yeah. feel that long ago. No, it, it doesn't. And I had a, a lot of the series when I started tapering off towards the end. What, didn't um, we just see these at Comic-Con for like 70, 80 bucks or something? You're like, I wish I would have saved them. Yeah. Yeah, I had boxes. I had everything, all of them. Yeah, so 95 Power of the Force 2 comes out, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Because the original uh, was also Power of the Force, uh, the ones that came out through the late 70s and 80s. So it had, at this point, it's been almost 10 years, uh, more than 10 years, since we had uh, a line of Star Wars figures. What's weird with this is, like, in the early 80s, you still had Return of the Jedi. Um, there was no fresh Star Wars movie that came out. It was this, they re-released that box set. But they they were re it wasn't 96 the year they re-released the first movie? Um, 96, 97, um, which is when they, uh, 
they actually had figures that coincide with that. But th this really was, it, it was all a part of, like, they had the license, and same thing with, like, the Micro Machine, uh, micro machines and stuff, too. They just started pumping Star Wars out there. Because um, I, re I remember I had the black box set, uh, and that kind of set things off, I think. Um, and so, like, the original line... Um, I, I, and I love these figures and, and as awkward as they might have been. So your, your initial release, you had, uh, you had Luke who looked like he, he, he looks like, uh, he looked like Prince Adam. Yeah, he kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, these figures were a little ridiculous. They were a little beefy, uh, for your liking, um, a little over the top. Like, the only one that actually made sense was, like, Chewbacca and, and maybe Vader. Um, but, like, Han's shoulders were uh, way wider than his waist. Um, he kind of They kind of looked like um, the guy that goes to the gym in the Garfield cartoons. Um, and then you got your Stormtrooper. So you got Stormtrooper, Vader, Han, Luke, uh, Chewie, R2, Obi-Wan, and C-3PO. And then for vehicles, you got a TIE Fighter, next wing uh, Luke's Land Speeder, uh, and uh, the Millennium Falcon. And then, oh, that's right, Princess Leia, but she wasn't on the card back. Oh, why not? Because, well, it's 1995, and we're still a little bit sexist when it comes to video games. <laughs> even even on her actual her packaging, um, with her like card. And underneath where you see all the figures, there is still no Leia in that grouping. Uh, I, she was kind of like a chase figure. And I don't think it was done like, oh, we're going to make her hard to find. It was just like, we're not going to sell a lot of Leia, so we're not going to put Leia out there. Uh, up until I even got rid of her, I gave her to my niece for her birthday uh, a while back. I had her. Yeah. Um, I had Princess Leia still in the packaging because I was convinced um, I guess I wasn't paying attention to the comic book boom and crash that uh, these aren't going to really be worth anything. Now, yeah, I know we saw them at Comic-Con for like 80 bucks, but that was the price tag. It's only worth 80 bucks if people spend 80 bucks. Right, yeah, I know, I'm aware, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they were such really, they were just great figures. Uh, and then eventually down the line um, in 90, uh, 95, they they also released um, uh, Luke in his X-wing pilot gear, uh, Lando and a Boba Fett. Uh, and I th I don't want to say Wave Three came in '95, but if they did, uh, you had Luke in his Dagobah gear, a Tie Fighter pilot, Han in his Hoth gear, and Yoda. Um, that came with a little backpack. Um, and my all-time favorite figure out of the entire series was the Han Solo Stormtrooper with the helmet that you could take off that you got from the Kellogg's Fruit Loops uh, giveaway. So there you go. I bought Fruit Loops. I probably didn't eat them, but I just wanted the figure out of them. Still bought them. Tonight at Trivia. So every once in a while, uh, Enchantress brings me to her group, uh, her friend group, social group for Trivia. Uh, that's on, uh, it's Because it's really close to her house. And these these guys, they all listen to the podcast. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, RWB, shout out, uh, Russ, Mike, just start listening. Uh, Justin, they all listen. Uh, they're like the nicest people you'll meet. All way smarter than me. 
So they don't. Yeah, need... but you have that dumb Jeopardy right. knowledge. Well, yeah. So they don't need me except for when a question tonight came up, like uh, Fruit Loops contains uh, blah blah blah. What are the fl- uh, how many flavors are in a box of Fruit Loops? And I immediately was like, oh, it's just one. And they're all looking at me like, no, it's not just one. I'm like, no, it's just one. Every flavor is the same. It's it's all like a lime. It's uniform. They they're different colors, but it's always just one flavor. And they were a little hesitant, but they wrote it down and turned it in. And and then the guy's like, it's just one. And, and our, the group <laughs> RWB won. The sh- and it w- had nothing to do with my one stupid answer. But I like to think that I contributed in my own you dumb way. Yeah. So shout out to those guys for being so smart. And uh, uh, the, uh, Guy Lewis there was, uh, had to draw a map for us to prove that Reno was the farthest west city out of Spokane, Washington, Reno, Nevada, San Diego, and Los Angeles. Yeah. He drew a map. That's how smart yeah. these guys are. Oh, yeah, because, because the, the because US the country is actually Dutch. Do we flatten it out? Yeah, yeah, Or level yeah. it out? Yeah. Tricky. Trick, tricks. Huh. Tricksy. Uh, so, yeah, great group. Great. they big fans of the podcast. A good number of them, so. Hmm. Uh, I'm glad to have new friends that are smart and just bring me around for the dumb questions like flavors of Fruit Loops. I'm always good for that, guys. One day I'll figure it out what that's like. <laughs> no offense, guys. What's that? Being smart? Yeah. I, I, I'm okay with not being smart. I'm, we have our niche, so we'll, we'll live in it. See, that's the thing. I'm not smart. I just know weird, dumb shit, and I somehow phrase it, and I say it in a way that makes me sound smart. I it's all about confidence, smart. which I don't have, but I'm good at faking it. I'm actually quite a good actor. Yeah, we, we, you should uh, see what I'm doing in my eyebrows right now. I'm <laughs> raising them. You're doing a little sexually. bit of business? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so, Squeezer, you know I don't drink coffee, right? Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how that works. And but... you, you know I'm big into the energy drink craze. I drink at least I'll, pretty much one a day. I don't really go past one a day, but I always have at least one en- energy drink a day. Sugar-free, because, you know... I like the chemicals. Yeah, if you're going to put chemicals in your body, why not not put one in that actually comes out of the earth? Go ahead. Sure. Uh, but I was in on the energy drink craze before they even knew what it was. And I'll explain after this clip. Remember? Remember the time just after the war when those three Swedish nurses invited us for a weekend in Paris how will I forget we should have gone coulda woulda shoulda yep Justin better do the good stuff now I don't know what the fuck was up with that commercial <laughs> but that was their whole deal like coulda shoulda woulda better do the good stuff now Justin do you remember Justin sh- soda I I do. I remember the packaging. I don't think I ever drank one. I did. It, it was. It had like a tribal African design. It was red mm-hmm. with the yellow logo and had the panther on top of it. Uh, it was. It was the first time I ever heard of Garana. Yeah. Now it's in everything. But um, back then it was like the first like flavored with Garana. Lots of caffeine. A lot of energy. Uh I remember trying it back in 95 when it first came out. Squeezer, no lie. Because we'd go back to that Texaco, and if there's a new mm-hmm. soda, I'm just like I am now. I am all over that shit. Like, you know me now when, when a new energy drink 
is in the fridge, like I'm the first idiot to try it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, produced by PepsiCo, and it was uh, the first energy drink ever introduced by a major U.S. beverage company. Uh, Really? Yeah. It was like a fruity cola-type drink with a hint of spice, and it was flavored Garan. It was the big... um, But it wasn't the first, like, because Red Bull was around long... Oh, hang on. U.S. beverage company. Squeeze it. It's Austrian. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. And it wasn't in the U.S. till the early 2000s. What, Red Bull? Yeah. Are you sure? Because like I said, I remember playing uh, Wipeout XL on the old PlayStation, and that was like a big sponsor there. Yeah, but it wasn't. Mar- you couldn't buy a Red Bull in like a gas station. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah. So uh, this was the first energy drink ever by a U.S. beverage company in 1995. They pulled it. Because they changed their uh, corporate strategy in 1999. Um, there is an association for just, just the saving and a Save Josta campaign, just like SaveJosta.com, just like uh, Surge. And we have yet to see it come back like Surge, but I would like to see it. And uh, there's an article in the Daily Dot published in 2016 called The Absurd Decade-Long Quest to Bring Back 90s Energy Drink Josta. <laughs> I like Josta. It was tangy, and um, I remember drinking, and he got the good kick. My name is Pierre, what? also known as Visuals by Hold Pierre. On. This is I'm uh, a New York City-based photographer on, and creative. On this, uh, on this Daily Dot article, I wanted to pull up. Uh, 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 what I see? Okay, so uh, I thought I, I've thought about Josta a few times since then, but only as a pleasant memory from my childhood, buried in the Y two K time capsule, along with Napster, Bandai Blue IMAX, and Nickelodeon Flome. But for some people, trying to j- get just one more taste is a hobby bordering on obsession. So yeah, there's like a big thing for Josta out there. Uh, hmm. I never really was obsessed with it. Like I drank it, I enjoyed it. Like, but I didn't really buy it. Um, yeah, I never. I I don't think ever. I would go a jolt. Just because it was, like, established. You knew it was... Yeah, but Jolt just was straight caffeine. It wasn't, like, the blend of, like, Garana and... The Garana. Yeah. Do you know what that does for you? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. I don't either. I'm just... I don't think they do. They just throw shit in there. So, uh, someone discovered a Josta Reborn recipe, which I found out. It's, like, a DIY version of the soda. Oh, you should do a cooking show where you make that. I know. I this This could be a recipe. It called for a 24-ounce bottle of Pepsi, a quarter cup of Ball's Energy, three-quarter cup of dragon fruit-flavored vitamin water, which we know someone who buys that by the gallon. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Um, and you mix it up, and you apparently have Josta. It's the closest thing to Josta they've had in years. No shit. Yeah. Called it's Josta. a lot of sugar. Yeah, a lot. I don't know if I could drink that. I, sh- I should try and make a... Um, a sugar-free version of Josta. No, no. We're going to make you... You're going to make this using all those ingredients and that amount you have to drink. And I will just follow you around all day and just watch you lose your mind like a seven-year-old. <laughs> so, and then crash. Um, Pepsi recently bought SodaStream, but back in 2015, like recently as in a month ago, and I, I have a SodaStream... What's that? That's a smart acquisition. 
Well, SodaStream's huge. No, no, I'm saying that's a smart acquisition. Yeah, it was. I have, being, I, I have one of my I, I'm office. sorry. I can't say anything without it not sounding <laughs> condescending. <laughs> sorry. So in uh, 2015, Pepsi still had a relationship with SodaStream. And um, the Josta people sent tons of petitions and signatures to SodaStream to sell Josta caps, like uh, mixes. And SodaStream replied in December 10, 2015, uh, your passion is impressive. We receive your petition and we'll review it. Uh, still nothing, though. But I don't count it out. Uh, we live in an era where everything, especially food-wise, has a second life. It's the zombie food uh, phenomena, I call it. And I do think Josta will see the light of day again, probably in a very limited Amazon release where it gets sold out before you even know it's for sale. Yeah. Or you get a six-pack on the floor at Target and the asshole takes it in the back before you can even get a chance to buy it. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, and that's that's a fallout drink we're talking about, right? Yep, yep. All right, well, that was my Want last them. memory of 1995. Squeeze, you ready to talk about your last one? Uh, well, it's not my last memory of 1995. For this show. Oh, Yes. What in the God's name is this? Dude, this this is, you want to bring in the ladies? Here's my here's my advice. You go up to me. Hey, babies. You play RTS? And they look at you and they go, yeah. What the hell is RTS? Real-time strategy, buddy. <laughs> what? Can you please explain what this is? Uh, this is Command and Conquer. Oh. What's with this weird music? Oh, that's soundtrack to it. Oh, is it? It's like, yeah, you know, being sequenced to it. Yeah, the soundtrack, this was pretty awesome because you needed something to do while you were building bases and mashing your uh, uh, your military might when fending off the ladies. Well, I guess that's true. Oh, you know what we forgot about? You know what this song made me think of? Uh, Guns N' Roses Civil War. What movie came out in 1995? Hackers. Did Hackers come out in 95? I thought it was 96. 95. Oh, God damn it. I could have done Hackers. We missed well, Hackers. No, I, I, I did Stranger Things or uh, Strange Days, which I'm happy with. But. Oh, I would have hey. done Hackers over freaking Batman forever. I didn't even Dude, think about we'll it. Dude, we'll come back around. We'll do 95 again. Or I want to do a, a sci-fi show or something weird. We'll find yeah. a way to put Hackers. Go on your phone. Do what I do. And put it on your uh, on your little on your subject list. <laughs> My favorite review here: spandex is a privilege, not a right. Ah, <laughs> oh, I can't. I love that movie. I I haven't watched oh, it forever, cool. but yeah. uh, it made me think of Prodigy. That's why I thought of Hackers. Okay, yeah. Uh, Command and Conquer. It was produced by uh, Westwood Studios uh, before Westwood Studios was uh, swallowed whole by the evil monster that is EA. Okay. Um, it's a real-time strategy game, meaning that it's not like uh, other, uh, at the time, like a, like a risk or something where you move, then I move, you move, I move. Um, this is, you start building your base, you get your troops together, you move them out, and either someone else or the computer is doing the same thing at the exact time. And so 
the combat, all the strategy, everything is in obviously real time, um, which makes for some frenetic, you know, action and you have to think quick and there's a lot of strategy involved. Um, I, I absolutely love these games. So it, this wasn't the first um, RTS. Uh, what was it? Uh, Herzog Zwei, which came out for uh, a couple came out for uh, Genesis, and that was like the first main RT, real-time strategy game that came out. And then they worked on these guys. Then worked on uh, Dune Two, and while they're making Dune Two. Uh, the whole Gulf War was going on, and it was even quoted in, like, their boardroom, like, war is in the news. So they decided to market on that. And rather than build a uh, a new uh, RTS using, like, wizards and sorcerers and, and dragons and knights and shit, they put it to, a like, a semi-futuristic military theme, and uh, we got Command and Conquer. So... What happened was an asteroid crashes uh, by the Tiber River in Italy, uh, and uh, leaving this element behind called Tiberium, which like harvests all the metals like in the surrounding area into like little pods. So it's basically like mines the earth itself. So if you can harvest shit more easily, um, and there's the GDI uh, Global Defense Global Defense Initiative. And uh, the Brotherhood of Nod, which are like these archaic uh, cult-like the bad guys. And this game, they it, it's clearly like when I was talking about the gray area in um, uh, Space Above and Beyond, uh, the, the, this wasn't as uh, as gray. It was like there's the good guys and the bad guys. Okay. Um. And the good guys, like, you had your, your tanks and, like, real high-tech gear, and it took longer to build stuff. You need the resources. And the bad guys had, you know, more – it was more a numbers game. Uh, definitely a Western approach to uh, uh, combat, if you will, and, and the way they look at it. When, when you look at it, like, in from the outside, like, you realize, like, uh, the influences that they had. It's like, oh, these are the good guys. We have all the tanks. And those are the bad guys. They just hoard us, and you know, if they're lucky, they could take out one of our tanks. Okay. Still, what's that? Yeah, I'm following. Oh, still, really fun to play as Brotherhood Nod because you get those these cool ass laser towers that you use as defenses, and you just wipe everyone out. It was a good time. And then you get your ion cannon. You start blowing stuff up. Um, this thing it sold three million copies. Uh, it did really well, and then it spawned other games, uh, future Command & Conquers, Command & Conquer Red Alert, Command & Conquer Generals. I had all of them. I was addicted. This was this was my franchise for the longest time. Uh, I, I played this nonstop, and it shows because um, I have many, much fewer memories uh, in my uh, pre-teens of having fun with other people out than uh, other people do. But I have very fond memories of Command and Conquer. Well, I um, I think I I played uh what what do you call them? Real time strategy. So I played um would you consider Stronghold and Stronghold Crusader Crusader real time strategy? The castle builders. Um. Where you then had to like fight other. Yeah, because it's all happening at the same time. Yeah. 
don't think I, I play Stronghold. I was big in the Stronghold. I played online. It was the first ever online game I played. That, that was uh, fun for me. Yeah, it, it's that's yeah. I would say it's a RTS. Okay. Uh, for sure. Um. Yeah, there's some gray area, and there's no like set rule, at, you know, as to what it is. And like the biggest one of all time would be StarCraft, um, which StarCraft came out in '98, which I'm sure we'll address in a future episode. But I mean, that's still they still play that uh, to this day, and that's because the balance. Like it's such a, a perfectly balanced game where it, it's not. Um, you can't just pick one side and oh you're gonna win. It's you have to be a skilled player, know what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I lost plenty of time to uh, StarCraft, uh, Warcraft as well. Uh, played a lot of that, but it all started uh, when I got my first Command and Conquer, which came with a double disc for PlayStation, Ooh. and that blew my mind. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I would I actually put that on the shelf on the shelf right next to my. Uh, dad's copy of delicate sound of thunder uh pink floyd a uh, double disc that i i stole from him and i would keep them side by side because i thought that was the neatest that's pretty cool um looks like we're all out of uh picks we covered 1995 really? yeah that went quick uh let me see almost two hours an hour and 45 minutes Oh, shit. Remember when we used to do, like, 49-minute episodes? Well, yeah, and we still did. Oh, but well. it, it's me rant. Uh, no, we moved on pretty quick. I think we're we're working on it. We're practicing. No, I, I think people like our long episodes. Yes. Uh, like Napoleon said, um, quantity has a quality all its own. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Uh, that was fun, and um, I think... It was a good look in 95. 95 was a fun year. Now, Squeezer, I'm going to get real with you on a level here. Uh-oh. We discussed back in the springtime of doing... This was our 95th episode. That's what we did in 1995. And yeah. we discussed just going 96, 7, 8, 9, and 9 before we get to 100. I yeah, move, but... I move that since our timeline's been messed up and we're in the throes of Halloween and Thanksgiving and possibly Christmas... We keep 100 the mall episode, but we mm-hmm. change the next ones, and that lets us save 96, 7, 8, and 9 for later. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We got to ha- handle, uh, we have priorities here. We got to talk. We're a time sensitive show. People are expecting us to talk Halloween, and we got we to gotta talk Halloween. So we will be back next week and the week following, and possibly the week following that with some Halloween shit. I guarantee you that. Right? Yes. Yes. Because that's what we do here at the Rad Years. We cater to the people, the fans. And they, 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 I, we had, I, we had a, a couple fans bragging in the summer how come October we have Halloween content. And I'm like, yeah, we will. And then we just didn't schedule right, even though we, I'm a coordinating producer at some point in my life and I scheduled for a living. And you're married to one. Yeah. And we still couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah. When when the math gets beyond our fingers and toes, people, we can't we can't <laughs> we can't be held accountable. 
we were halfway through October. Last year, we already had like three. We started Halloween last year in September. At least September, yeah, if not August. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll, we'll take Halloween in the November. How does that sound? We, we'll take Halloween. We're gonna Next week is going to be a Halloween episode. But we wanted to give you 95 for a 95th episode. I figured that was that was a good poignant way to do it. Yeah. So uh, you're going to get a couple Halloween episodes coming up soon. But until then, uh, follow us, like and uh, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, like and uh, rate and review us on wherever you listen to this. And uh, we'll be back next week with more radios, right, Squeeze? Yes. I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. Have a good one. That was a fun show. Good job, buddy.